Amen. All right, check this out. Robert, Robert, where are you at? He's still hiding. There he is. He's trying to hide in the back, but I see you there. Uh, he was, uh, I don't know if you guys remember last week with the boat issue on Lake Mead? Well, he's kind of, you know, apparently bummed out about it. So he went back there to reminisce, apparently, last week at Lake Mead. And he's out there at Lake Mead and feeling, you know, bad and sad and all, letting all the guys down, you know, as we saw last week if you were here with the boat. And, and so he's walking along the, the beach there at Lake Mead. And all of a sudden, he comes across this uh, really old lamp. So he's a guy. What's he do? He picks that thing up. He picks it up and he rubs it. And sure enough, Tom, that's right, out pops this genie. And then the genie, he goes, all right, okay, okay, all right, listen. Okay, I, I, he said, you, you released me from the lamp, blah, 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 blah. This is the fourth time this month. I'm getting a little sick and tired of all these wishes, so you can forget about three. You only get one wish. Well, Robert, he's, he's sitting there, and he's thinking for a while, and he says, okay, I'll tell you what. He said, I've always wanted to go to Hawaii, but I'm scared to fly, and I get really seasick. He says, could you build me a bridge to Hawaii so I could just drive over there to visit? <laughs> the genie laughs. He says, are you crazy? Are you nuts? I mean, that's impossible. Think of the logistics of that. How, how, could, how would the supports ever reach the bottom of the Pacific? And, and think about how much concrete and, and how much steel. No, I'm sorry. You better think of another wish. So Robert says, okay. My wife, Carly, she, she always says that I don't care about her like I should. And I'm insensitive, she says. So here's what I wish. I wish I could understand women. You know, how, how they feel inside and, and what they're thinking and when they give me the silent treatment and, and know why they're crying and, and, and know what they really want when they say nothing. And, you know, to really, truly make them happy. Stuff like that. That's what I want. And the genie looked at Robert and says, do you want that bridge two lanes or four? Okay. Now, if you were here last week, that's called capturing my masculinity back, okay? And no, it's not toxic, as some would say. Uh, whew, that was rough last week, but I got it out there. Guys, our time to shine. Woohoo! It's tempted to close in prayer, but hopefully I'm going to make a point out of that. Uh, but anyway, uh, how many of you guys would agree that, listen, hey, like it, lump it, believe it or not, a genie, as cool as that would be, that's not reality. A genie's not going to just, bang, appear on the scene and fix all of our problems in life, Right? Okay, now here's the problem, folks. Many times I see that we in the American church, we're doing the same thing. We are in a desperate situation in our country, and yet we're acting like that. Well, somehow, someway, someday, somebody around is going to find this genie of a solution and bang, fix everything, when the whole time, we're the solution. The church of Jesus Christ, Christ in us, is the solution. Okay, we don't need a, a genie, we need God. And as Christians, we're the answer in Christ. We need to proclaim God's holy word, his holy gospel, back it up with our holy lives, and guess what? Boom! People get saved, revival busts out. That's what we need. We don't need a genie. We need to get back to God's word. Amen? Now, the problem we would have been seeing, we're walking around acting like practical atheists. We, we act like God's not even part of the equation. As we've been seeing, this not only detrimental in our walk with God, it keeps other people from believing in God. So to avoid this irony of you and I as Christians living like these practical atheists by not knowing who God is, we're going to continue our study on the character of God. Now, we've already seen the first thing about God. He's what? Hello, he's real. Uh, we're here for a real reason. The second thing, he's what? Jesus died on the cross for a dry, stale, boring, man-made religion because we need another religion on the planet. That'll fix it all. No, he died for a personal, loving, beautiful, intimate, bride-like relationship. Isn't that awesome? Before we get to heaven, we are walking every day in intimacy with the creator of the universe. And if that's old for you, you need to repent. Uh, third thing we saw, hello, God's one. He is wise. He knows everything. Why would we listen to man, our friends, society? Man, God, no, he never gets it wrong. Go back to his word. He'll never steer you wrong. The fourth thing we saw, he is what? He is sovereign. He's controlling all things, and he works all things together for good for those who love him. Do you love him? 
then that's a promise that he will work even the hard times together for good. The fifth thing we saw is he is what? He is powerful. God can save anybody he wants. He can, he can solve any problem he wants. He, he's just, there's nothing he cannot do except, of course, sin. That was a trick question. Remember that? And then the last four times we saw, speaking of uh, God being on the throne, he is what? He is not just holy. He is holy. He is holy. He is holy. It's the only attribute in Scripture about God mentioned three times for emphasis. And so we saw if we're going to understand the holiness of God, let's, number one, stop creating an idol ourselves and go back to what he says he is. Let's go back to the holy word of God. And then when you're in the holy word of God, you see the reaction of people when they encounter God's holiness, the removal of people. God has a zero tolerance of sin. And the last two times, we've been seeing God's reminders for people. We already saw with the reminder of the traveling tabernacle. Remember that? Okay, and now we saw last week the second reminder, and that's in the Ten Commandments. The Ten Commandments were not merely just a mode of behavior, okay? They were to reveal our need of a Savior. It's God's x-ray into our heart to get us to admit what he already knows. All have sinned and fall short of his glory. We deserve to die and go to hell. But here's the good news. If you would just admit that, own up to what he's revealing to you, I can't even keep these ten things. He's giving you the solution. Even I finally got you to admit it. Now will you check in for surgery, a heart surgery? My son, Jesus Christ, the great physician, he's here to save you. Would you let him save you? He'll save you, okay? Just save you, okay? And that's what we've been seeing is the whole point. And there we saw the first two acid tests, if you will, x-rays into our heart. God trying to get us to admit that issue. And that was the first two commandments. Don't worship other gods. Don't worship idols, okay? And that's what God is showing us in these commandments. He is holy. We are not. We can't even keep... Two out of ten, and we're still going. Uh, we're in a heap of trouble, okay? And again, we need Jesus. That's the whole point. I'll say it again. The Ten Commandments were not merely just a mode of behavior, right? They were to reveal our need of a Savior. The, the commandments are holy, as Paul says. They're right. They're just. What's the problem? We can't keep them. Paul says that we begin last week, they are to drive us to the need of a Savior, okay? God's trying to get us to own up to it. But that's just two. The Bible says there's ten for those of you hooked on math, what does that mean? There's eight more to go. That's right, Bobby, and you are hooked on math. The third commandment is this. Hey, prove to God you're holy. You can get to heaven just by your own. Oh, you're just like him. You're worthy to get there. You don't need Jesus. Don't ever use his name in vain. Oh, boy. What is going on with that? Well, let's go back to the commandments. Let's, don't take my word for it. Let's listen to God. Let's open your Bibles to uh, Exodus 20. Exodus 20. If you find Genesis, what do you do? Hang it right, Exodus 20, verses 1 through 7. We'll take a look at the first two, and then we'll grab the third one. What is God trying to teach us here in the Ten Commandments, okay? And uh, isn't that funny? I mean, the word holy means without sin, right? So if you're going to get into heaven, a place without sin, then you've got to be without sin. You've got to be, but that's the problem. We can't do it. But that's the game we play. Well, at least I keep most of the Ten Commandments, or I, I believe in the commandments, or I got them on my wall. Don't I look spiritual, right? And all that stuff. And it's not, listen. It's not, you break one, you break them all. We, we can't keep any of them, right? But this is the game we play. Well, at least I, uh, uh, you know, I, I don't use God's name. And mm. Once you get into what it really is, oh boy, we're in trouble even on this one. But let's take a look there. Uh, as you turn, let's go ahead and let's stand as we read God's holy word. Exodus chapter 20, verse 1 through 7. Here's what God said. And God spoke. Who's speaking here? God. 
God speaking all these words. And here's what he says. I am the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. So you, primary Jewish people, and certainly us today, are you glad through Jesus Christ God gave you the great exodus? Through Jesus, he has led you out of sin and slavery and destruction. You were headed to hell. Now you're going to heaven. Are you thankful for that? Bingo. So now he says, here's what you do, right? He says this, you shall have what? Number one, no other gods before me. Number two, you shall not make for yourself an idol in the form of anything in heaven above or in the earth beneath or in the waters below. You shall not bow down to them or worship them. Why? For I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God, punishing the children for the sin of the fathers to the third and fourth generation of those who hate me, but showing love to a thousand generations of those who love me and keep my what? commandments right number three here it is you shall what not misuse the name of the lord your god some translations there take this the lord's name in vain okay why because the lord will not hold anyone how many anyone guiltless who misuses his name wow you may be seated right and this is that one that we just kind of skip over it's like oh yeah oh yeah at least i don't murder Whoa, but this is right in there, man. The third test God gives us, revealing the situation. Again, what's the purpose? He's trying to get us to own up to the problem. He's holy, we're not. He's revealing his holiness and his holy commandments and our sinfulness, which should drive us to the conclusion, I need a Savior, help. I'm disqualified for heaven. And it's this third one there, using his name in vain. And again, typically, even as Christians, we'll say stuff like this. Well, hey, listen, I, I don't use God's name in vain. I, I don't use it in an irreverent manner. I mean, I know better than that. I respect God's name all the time. Well, once again, it's one thing to say that. It's another thing to demonstrate it, uh, certainly with your words specifically in this example. Now, let's break it down. Let's see if we can pass the test. The word vain there, okay, means emptiness of speech or using something in a false or worthless manner right let me say that again vain means emptiness of speech using something in a false listen to this word worthless manner and this is what it means in a, in a nutshell it's not just using it as a cuss word i would hope we all know that one that would be using god's name in vain but he said even in a worthless manner so that's not just using you're breaking the commandment here when you're not just using god's name as a cuss word of course not don't do that but even in a common way like, it's just a, just a cheap word, worthless. I'll just throw it out there. No big deal. And again, this is our problem. It is a big deal. But we don't think it's a big deal breaking this commandment. Okay? And the reason why is because, I don't know, maybe we're not reading the Bible. Again, God is not just so holy. He's telling us here in the third commandment, even my name is holy. And don't you ever use my name in an irreverent or even common way. But here's just the other couple passages that speaks about God's very name being holy, not just him. Isaiah 57, 15, for this is what the high and lofty one says, he who lives forever whose name is holy. And I live in a high and holy place, he says there. Luke 1, for he who is almighty has done great things for me and holy is his name, meaning to be venerated in his purity, majesty, and his glory. Not just God himself, but his very name is holy. And when you understand this, you begin to realize uh, why the Jewish people reacted and behaved the way they did, even when it came not just to God, but even when it came to God's holy name. In fact, you look at even Orthodox Jews today, oftentimes in their communication, they won't even spell out God's name. 
They'll just leave a blank or not spell it all, leave a little dash in there. Okay, still do it today. In fact, what's interesting, if you know a Jewish culture, they were, they were, they were so afraid to, to use God's name in vain that they, they didn't even want, not just spell it, they didn't, even want to, they didn't want to say it. They didn't want to say it just in case they messed up. Because again, it's not just a cuss word, that's obvious. Am I using it even in a common way? Because it's to be venerated. This is a holy name. But listen, here's what they do. Every time when they were writing the transcripts, we've talked about this before in other studies, when they came across, they were making copies of the transcripts of the Old Testament, when they come across God's name, copying those manuscripts every single time, right? Every single time they came across God's name, listen, true story, they would get up, wash themselves, change their clothes, get a brand spanking new pen just for the occasion. Every single time. You could have had God's name appeared in the very next verse. They'd do the same thing again. You could have it 14 times on one page of transcription. 14 times they did it out of reverence for his holy name. In fact, they had this saying, listen to this one. Tells how far we have fallen. The Jewish people, the tradition goes this. They say, quote, when God gave the third commandment, the whole world trembled. The third one? I, mean, I can see the first one. You know, he's the only God, you know. And that murder thing, that's pretty serious stuff. And yeah, he shouldn't rob a bank. But don't use his name in vain. When that commandment was given, the tradition is the whole world trembles. I don't know if you know this or not, but our world doesn't tremble at this commandment anymore. In fact, it is an absolute assault on the holy name of God. When it comes to the media. Now I had one video I was going to show with you. But I just couldn't get myself to do it. And it just went through all these different movies. Even little kids. They have them say God's name in vain. Over and over and over. Not even God the Father. But specifically Jesus Christ. And they act like it's no big deal. And if you don't think this really goes on. The uh, director of uh, One Flew Over This Cuckoo's Nest, he's actually been stated on uh, record of saying, as a producer of Hollywood, of movies and media and stuff, he says, our job as a producer is to say, blank you, God, in the Old Testament you wrote in on. This is a deliberate issue that they are doing. The whole world should tremble at the holy name of God. And Hollywood, in the face of God, is blaspheming it more and more and more blatantly every single year. In fact, we've seen this before, but let me give you an idea of just how bad Hollywood is towards the holy name of God in just one movie. Just one. Okay, let's take a look at the facts there. Fred, you go. Where shall I go? What shall I do? Frankly, my dear, I don't give it.
one movie. And I'd say protect yourself and family, all right. It's the old rule that I often say. You say, hey, man, how many guys would say the people who made that one movie blaspheme God that many times in just one movie, how many guys say they're serious trouble when they get to the other side unless they receive Christ as their Savior? God will not hold anyone, what, guiltless, who misuses his holy. The whole world should tremble at his holy name. Protect yourself and your family. I'll stand over here. But are we standing over here? Or are we sitting there like that family, getting peppered, in essence, condoning that blasphemy by going along with it? Pretty sobering. Do we no longer tremble at God's holy name as Christians? Wow. How many times I hear Christians say, oh, Pastor Bill, I just can't get these blasphemous thoughts on my mind, this dirty stuff. Shut that off. What do you think is coming? Protect yourself and your family. This is sin. This is sin against the holy God. And again, yet that's just one. That's one. It's just us doing nothing but getting worse. These people are deadly serious. They're trying to undermine every single thing we believe in and blaspheme God all on the way. Virtually every Hollywood movie produced and directed over the past 75 years, direct quote, curses God's name repeatedly, nonstop, over and over. It's getting worse. In fact, most movies today not only blaspheme God's holy name, but specifically the name of Jesus Christ, referring to him as Jesus blanking Christ as if the blanking is his middle name. Are you serious? One person said this, when a person takes the Lord's holy name in vain, listen, it is evidence that they have no fear of God before their eyes. Because, listen, this is, what is this, some hidden secret commandment? Do our eyes roll right past this one when we're reading the Ten Commandments? It's right up there with no other gods. Don't murder, don't steal. Don't you ever use my holy name in vain. Have we lost that reverential fear? And again, I, I really think this is spiritual warfare, right? I mean, look, we've talked about this before. Of all names, of all names... The name, the blessed, the only name the scripture says by which men might be saved, the name of Jesus Christ has been turned into a common cuss word? I mean, think about this. You never hear a person, they smash their thumb with a hammer. Ah, oh, Buddha, Buddha, Buddha. Ah, I dropped a brick on my toe. Oh, Harry H. Krishna. Are you cutting me off the road? Oh, Muhammad. Why is it always... Jesus Christ at the drop of a hat. Even kids, unfortunately, do it. Because there's something about that holy, precious name. It's the only name by which the demons must cower, obey, and flee. It's the only holy name by which me might be saved and rescued from hell, what we deserve for even breaking this commandment. And so wouldn't that be just like the enemy to get people to blaspheme that holy precious name and again it's not just when it's being used as a cuss word it is being used as a common word like it's no big deal it's just a throwaway word like chicken just throw it out there it's no big deal you realize what you're doing and so let me break that down for you believe it or not folks that would include statements using god's name in vain includes statements says well hey bye blank i'm gonna get it this time <laughs> or hey hey oh my Blank? Or, hey, hey, blank, what's the big deal here? Yeah, we just flip it out there. No. 
You're using it like it's a piece of trash. Like it's just a casual word, a common word. This, what? what? What was the Jewish tradition? The whole world trembled when the third commandment was given. Wow. Anyone anyway, think, hey, listen, Pastor Bill, listen, I'm only human. I mean, okay, so what? <laughs> Even as a Christian, so, you know, I use God's name in vain once in a while, and, and uh, hopefully not that cuss word thing, but, but even the, the common thing. Like, well, what's going on? I mean, come on, what's the, I'm only human. What's the big deal? I'll tell you what the big deal is. The Bible's very clear. Using God's name in vain is called a sin, and the penalty for sin against a holy, holy, holy God is death. Let's take a look at what that has to say. In the scripture, once again, Psalm 139, 19 and 20, all that you, God, would slay the wicked. Oh, God, go get them. Those wicked people, man, they deserve to get it. God, go get them. Why? What are they doing? They speak against you wickedly, and your enemies take your what? Your name in vain. We're acting like enemies of God when we take his holy name in vain. Wow. So once again, I think God's trying to drive us to a, a conclusion here, just like with the tabernacle. He's trying to get us to say, hey, listen, in case that traveling tabernacle didn't get you, that uh, I'm holy, you're not. There's only, you know, there's only one way to have a relationship with me. It's through Jesus. He's doing the same thing here. Man, I can't even keep the first commandment. I, man, I messed up on the second commandment with idols. I, I, and this, the, using his name, I, even as a Christian, I can't even keep this one. Oh! Somebody save me. I can never work my way to heaven. Praise God, what's the good news? God sent his holy son to make us holy. Through his holy sacrifice. But he can't do it until we admit the problem. God, you're holy. I'm not. I can't earn my way to heaven. I'm disqualified. I can't even keep these three things, and we still got seven more to go. Would you please save me through Jesus? That's what he's trying to do. Not just a mode of behavior to reveal our need of a savior. Okay? Nothing's wrong with the law. It's holy and righteous, as Paul says. We just can't keep it, can we? In of our own strength. God's trying to drive us to the conclusion. The fourth one is this one. I think sometimes we skip over this too. Well, that doesn't apply for today. And that's that fourth one with keep the Sabbath. What in the world's going on with there? Well, let's take a look at that. Once again, go back to uh, Exodus here. Let's see what God's trying to say in this one. Uh, Exodus chapter 20, verse 8 through 11. Remember to observe, number four, the Sabbath by keeping it what? What's the specific word out there? Because it's all legalistic and it's holy is the word there, by keeping it holy. Six days a week you are, to, are set apart for your daily duties and regular work, but the seventh day is the day of rest dedicated to who? The Lord your God. And on that day, no one in your household may do any kind of work. This includes you, your sons and daughters, your male and female servants, your livestock, any foreigners living among you. Why? Because in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth and the sea and everything in them, and then he rested on the seventh day. That is why the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and set it apart. He says it again as what? Not just any old day. It's a holy day is the point that's there. So God puts us through another test. Oh, hey, you think you're going to get to heaven on your own? You, you're not, you know, as I say, all of sin, false, you, you still won't admit it? All right, I tell you what, let me give you another one. Can, can, can you at least keep this one? And that's the prohibition of keeping the Sabbath. In other words, setting a day aside for him as a holy day for him, right? And as Jesus said, man was not made for the Sabbath. The Sabbath was made for man. It was supposed to be a blessing to us. You're busy, I'll get out during the week, but would you just set aside a day and just enjoy me, grow in me, worship me, which is for your benefit, 
which will help you the rest of the six days. And come back, get some rest. It was not made to be some legalistic thing. That's what the Jewish people got wrong, and Jesus had to correct them on it as the Lord of the Sabbath. But it's a holy day unto God. Now, originally, this is where people get confused. The Sabbath that was mentioned here was on a Saturday. And you'll actually have people today, even in the church, say, well, see, we got to keep this commandment. It's got to be on Saturday. And if you don't worship on Saturday, then you're not only sinning. You'll have even some folks like the Seventh-day Adventists who say that because we worship on Sunday, we, that's a sign we receive the mark of the beast. What? Originally, yes, it was Saturday on uh, uh, the Sabbath, but ever since Jesus Christ rose from the grave on Sunday, even in the Bible, we see that this is the holy day that we Christians set aside for God. And that's what we see in the scripture. This is the scriptural pattern. That was the old covenant. Here's the new covenant. But we still keep, if you will, the command. Acts 20, verse 7, on the first day of the week. What was the first day of the week with the Jewish people? It was Sunday. Okay, we came together to break bread. Paul spoke to the people, and because he intended to leave the next day, he kept on talking till midnight. Don't ever complain that my sermons are long. <laughs> ever. That guy's preaching up a storm, man. Okay, that's just one. Here's that, 1 Corinthians 16, 2. On the what? First day of the week. You're not just studying God's word. Now what are you doing? Another thing we do on Sundays, right? They're giving. Each of you should set aside a sum of money in keeping with his income, saving it up, so that when I come, no collections will have to be made, Paul says. But you see there, the Christian traditions honoring the resurrection of Christ with the new covenant is that that's why we go do church services on Sunday, not Saturday. But it's still, what's the principle of the Sabbath? One holy day. Oop, one finger. One holy day, Right? And, and again, you might say, well, hey, Pastor Bailey, I'm here today, aren't I? Right? I'm keeping this, right? I'm here, and this is, you know, I'm doing it. You know? and, and folks, again, it's one thing to say, even as Christians, that we set aside a holy day for God, at least once a week. It's another thing to demonstrate it with your behavior. And uh, believe it or not, I, I don't know if you guys realize this or not, but did you know this is not the first church I've ever pastored? <laughs> I know, it's crazy. I was born here, right back here in the baptismal. <laughs> I just popped on the scene, what, five and a half years ago? John found me. It was awesome. He pulled me up by my hair. We got in a fight, but we got, a, we got over it. <laughs> Every church I've ever been a part of, this is the game that we play. Most of us, even as Christians, we think that this fourth commandment, give God a holy day, we think it, it, it's an option, or worse yet, a convenience. You know, if I have time for it, once in a while. And it's become an epidemic in the American church. In fact, take a look at what this church did to try to stave off Sunday worship, okay, uh, and uh, you tell me uh, if this would ever uh, work, all right? No excuse Sunday is what they launched, and here's what they did. Cots will be placed in the vestibule for those who say, Sunday's my only day to sleep. Huh? That's no excuse there. We'll take care of you. And Murine will be available for those with tired eyes from watching TV too late on Saturday night. That's right. And uh, hey, there will be steel helmets for those who say, the roof would cave in if I came to a church service. Right? We'll take you covered. We're OSHA approved, maybe. Uh, blankets will be furnished for those who think the sanctuary is too cold. And fans for those who say it's too hot. That's right. And we'll be having hearing aids for those who say, the minister speaks too softly. And cotton for those who say he preaches too loud. Right? We'll take care of you either way. That's right. No excuse Sunday. Scorecards will be available for those who wish to list the hypocrites present. Huh? Make sure you put your name on there too. That's right. Let's be fair about this. And some relatives will be in attendance for those who like to go visit on Sundays. Hey, save some gas money. Do it all here. Hey, there'll be TV dinners for those who just can't go to a church service and cook dinner. Oh! 
And hey, that's right, one section of the sanctuary will be devoted to trees and grass. For those who like to seek God in nature, we'll bring nature to you. That's right. And hey, we're going to cover all bases on No Excuse Sunday. Here's what we're going to do. The sanctuary will be decorated with both Christmas poinsettias and Easter lilies for those who have never seen it without them. Three of you will get that later this afternoon. Pull it out of your pocket. Nice little treat. You can have a little laugh later. They only come Christmas and Easter. Okay, let's move on. But uh, uh, granted, I think that's pretty creative, right? New technique to get people to, you know, come on Sundays like they should. And, and, uh, but I still think it teaches the wrong lesson. And, and actually, I see in the New Testament that it goes beyond just one day. If you read the Bible... The Apostle Paul tells us that we Christians are no longer to worship God, listen, just one day a week. Technically, we are to worship God every single day of the week. And he does that with a phrase he uses in Romans 12, offer your bodies as living sacrifices. This is your holy act of worship to God, the scripture says there. And so that means, listen, what, what the, on this commandment and what Paul is saying in the New Testament, listen, everywhere we should go, in essence, we should be God's traveling tabernacle. Remember that? Because Christ in us, we've become his temple. And Paul's basically saying here now with this commandment, he's saying, listen, Christian, do you realize everywhere you should go, you should be a walking Sunday service. Everywhere we go, every single day, not just putting on the show for Sundays, but everywhere we go every day, people should look at us and get a sermon by the way we live. And that's why Paul says, listen, all these people say, it's got to be on Saturday. It's got to be this. or It's only one day. You're missing the whole point. And that's why Paul says, listen, don't get hung up on a particular day. You have to worship God at all times. In fact, that's why he even specifically says, don't get hung up on this. It's got to be Saturday, right? And this is what he says in Colossians chapter 2, verse 16 through 17. Therefore, do not let anyone judge you by what you eat or drink, Christian, or with regard to a religious festival, a new moon celebration, or a what? Sabbath day, and he's talking about Saturday worship. He said, that's not the point. Here's the point. These are a shadow of the things that were to come. The reality is found in who? Jesus Christ is the whole point. It's a shadow. What we really should be focusing on, we should be focusing on Jesus Christ. Now as his traveling tabernacle, we are the walking Sunday perpetual church service wherever we go. That's what we're to do. Offer our bodies now every day, not just one day, for Jesus Christ. But what do we have today? I love the one guy that said this. Jesus Christ rose from the dead, but the American church can't even get out of bed. Whew. We're supposed to worship God 24 hours a day, but we can't even make it one hour a week. And again, you might think, well, Pastor really, I, I just I, I have a hard time. I'm so, I'm so busy. There, there's so many important things going on. Really? Well, let me just dovetail what we had in the context with that last video I showed you got no time to read the Bible. I got, I got no time to instruct my kids in the ways of the Lord. I got no time to praise my family. I got, I got no time to go to church services. I'm so busy with what? You're so busy with that device that seduces you and says, look at me. Look at me. No, 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 no. Look at me. And it steals away your time from God. Let's take a look. See if you can guess what that device is. Television. Look 
at me. Look at me. Look at me. Look at me. Look at me. Look at me. No, don't look over there. There's nothing to look at over there. Look at me. Look at me. Look at me. Are you looking at me? Is everybody looking at me? Do I have everyone's attention? Don't get the wrong idea. I'm not trying to take over your life. You need what? What do you need? What do you need? You need to what? Go to the bathroom? Fine. Get up. Go to the bathroom. Come back. Look at me. You need what? You need to, you need to get something to eat? Fine. Get up. Go to the kitchen. Get something to eat. Come back. Look at me. You need to what? 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 Sleep? Fine. Get up. Go to bed. Go to sleep. Get up. Come back. Look at me. Okay. So, we have an agreement. You will do what you absolutely have to do, and when you're done, you will come back and look at me. Don't worry about your schedule. I am here for you. I am here for you. 24 hours a day, 7 days a week, I am here for you. I am here for you. You need me. I'm here. Fair and foul, thick and thin, I am here for you. I am here for you. People try to tell you I'm bad. You tell them that I am here for you. 24 hours a day, fair and foul, thick and thin, I am here for you. I am here for you. People try to tell you I'm bad. <laughs> you know what it sounds like to me? Sour grapes. You see what I... No, 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 no. Don't look over there. There's nothing to look at over there. Look at me. Look at me. Look at me. I've got stuff you wouldn't believe. Danger, sex, action, death, thrills, comedy, all here, all in the next eight minutes. Can you believe it? You can't believe it. You can't believe it. It's unbelievable. You can't believe it because it's unbelievable. It's a miracle. Just keep looking at me. Just keep looking at me. Just keep looking at me. Look 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 at me. Looks to me like the look at me device is working all too well. The average household combined watches almost seven hours a day of TV. This is not counting cell phone. Have you ever, I just, man, everywhere you go, everybody's, hmm. Yeah. I, I, well, are they praying? That looks spiritual, but oh no, it's a cell phone. <laughs> right? That's not counting cell phones. It's not counting laptops. It's not uh, counting computer usage. It's not counting tablets. None of that stuff. Seven hours combined. Of TV. The average child spends 1,680 minutes just watching TV. Again, that's not counting the other stuff. But you compare that to 38.5 minutes a week that he or she talks one-on-one -on -one with a parent. Who's instructing them? You don't have time to read God's Word, you say. You don't have time to pray with your family, teach your family, and you can't even bring your family on an even semi-regular basis to Sunday's church service. Who's instructing? Who, who's your preacher? Who's your teacher? Is it God? Wow. But you mean, hey, let's pass me. I'm only human. Okay, sure, surely not worshiping God consistently, at least one day a week, even though the really the issue is it's every day we should be worshiping him as a living sacrifice. I mean, it's not that big of a deal, really. Folks, you need to go back to the principle of the Sabbath. The Bible says not worshiping God like he deserves is called a sin. And what you deserve for that sin is called you deserve to die. For impugning his holiness. I didn't say that. He did. Listen to this. Uh, this is what we see in Numbers 15, 32, and 36. One day, while the people of Israel were in the wilderness, they caught a man, uh-oh, gathering wood on the what? The Sabbath day. So what'd they say? Hey, come on, grab some chips too. We need... So the whole community took the man outside the camp and stoned him to death just as the Lord had commanded Moses. I'd say God takes this pretty serious. But again, what's the message here? What's God trying to teach us? Listen, come on. All right, so you couldn't keep the first one, worshiping me only. I told you not to bow down to idols. You still blew that. I can't believe you're blaspheming my holy name as either a cuss word or as a comma word. But come on, can you just give me one day? We can't even do that. Anybody starting to feel obliterated, blown away? 
And that's what he's doing. He's trying to get us this thing out of our head. How many times have you heard people say, well, at least I'm 51% good and 49%? The entrance to heaven is holiness 100% without sin. I can't even keep this one. I can't even give God one day. Help. The Ten Commandments were not merely a mode of behavior. They were to reveal our need of a Savior. I need somebody to save me from this predicament. I wonder who that is. Jesus, all right? The fifth one, the final one we're going to deal with today, that God's trying to remind us he is holy. We are not. We're in a heap of trouble. We need somebody to save us. We can't even keep this one. Uh, you shall what? Honor your parents. Huh? Woo! This is exciting. And good thing that only applies to teenagers. Is the sound that you make when that's sarcasm once again. But let's take a look at that commandment, all right? Okay, fine. You can't keep the first four? How about this one? Prove to me you're worthy to get to heaven all by yourself. Here's what you do. Exodus 20, 12. Honor your father and mother. Well, why? What's the big deal with that? Well, listen, then God says you will live a long, full life in the land the Lord your God will give you. So now we see God's fifth prohibition here uh, teaching us that he's holy. We are not because we can't even keep this one if we're honest with ourselves. That's the problem we're not. Uh, he says, honor your parents. And again, you might be sitting here certainly as a Christian say, well, I honor my parents. I, I respect them for who they are and what they've done. And, and uh, in fact, how many guys actually really started to honor your parents when you turned 21, you finally got out on your own, you had to pay for everything and you were starving to death? Mom and dad weren't so dumb, were they? That's what happened to me. I wasn't even saved yet. But that's what we say. I honor my parents. But again, it's one thing to say that. It's another thing to demonstrate it with your behavior. So let's break it down. The word honor. The word honor means this. Listen, parents, you'll like this one. To glorify. To consider great. Listen, to be rich towards. Huh? That's what it means to honor your parents. To glorify, to consider great, to be rich towards. And again, I think that's the problem. Most people think it's not that big of a deal. Or... They think it only applies to adolescents. And let me just, as a little side note here, right? I'm not saying that you condone bad parenting. Can we just cut to the chase on this one? Because frankly, sometimes parents don't do things right. So as a child of a parent, I'm not saying you roll over and condone, right? Some children don't even know their parents. But two wrongs don't make a right. And God is the father of us all. And even as a child, you have the ability to go to our holy father. Still do what is right, and he'll bless you for it. And can I tell you something? God knows how to spank your parents. But it ain't going to happen if you start doing eye for an eye, tooth for tooth. So mom and dad, get out of the line. You still do what is right. God will take care of them one way or another. Two wrongs don't make a right. But again, I think the other issue that's going on here is some people think, well, that's just, you know, boy, did I ever share that commandment when I had my kids? <laughs> as if it's only for them. Are you kidding me? It applies to us as adults. This is a command for all your whole life that you have your parents on earth. And I didn't say that. Jesus did, okay? In fact, he ripped into the Pharisees when they refused to do it, right? For their grown adult parents. Matthew 15, 3, 4, 5, and 6, Jesus answered, why do you disobey God and follow your own teaching? Didn't God command you to respect your father and mother? But here's what you do. You let people get by without helping their parents when they should. Is this any way to show respect to your parents? You ignore God's commands in order to follow your own teaching. He's talking to adults, not teenagers, not kids. And again, Jesus declares in this statement, it applies to even the adult years, okay? And I really think that he's trying to warn us, one, that there's a principle in Scripture. 
How many guys learn, even the unfortunate way, whether you want to admit it or not, kids are copycats? How many guys remember that your kids have a way of, when they get out in public, they reveal what you've been doing in private at your house? You know? With those words or that behavior, right? Okay? You reap what you sow. See, you're, you're parenting. You're modeling. And I think there's a danger when we don't set the example, even as adults, with our parents and realize our kids are watching. What example are we setting for them? Because they're copycats. They'll copy that too. All-time favorite illustration of this. Listen to this. There was once an old man whose hands trembled when he ate. And because of this, he clattered the silverware and he, he missed his mouth with a spoon and he, he dribbled food on the tablecloth. And Now, he, he lived with his married son because he had nowhere else to live. And, but his son's wife, she didn't like the arrangement. And so one day she said, listen, I can't have this. This interferes with my right to happiness. So she and her husband took the old man gently but firmly by the arm, listen, and led him to the corner of the kitchen. And there they sat him on a stool and gave him his food in an earthenware bowl. So from then on, he always ate in the corner. But one day his hands trembled more than usual, and this time the earthenware bowl fell and it busted. So the daughter-in-law barks out, if you're going to act like a pig, you need to eat out of a trough. So listen, they actually made the old man a little wooden trough, and from then on he got his meals in that. Well, these people had a four-year-old son of whom they were very fond of. And one evening, the young man noticed his boy playing intently with some bits of wood, and he asked his son, what's he doing? And his boy smiled up to his dad for approval. He says, hey, I'm making you a trough to feed you and mama when I get big. Well, at this, the man and the wife, they looked at each other for a moment, and there was dead silence. But then the tears began to flow, and they went to the corner immediately. And they took the old man by the arm, and they led him back to the table. And from then on, they sat him in a comfortable chair, gave him his food on a real plate, and never once scolded him when he continued to clatter and spill and break things. How many guys would say that couple learned a powerful lesson in the nick of time with how you treat your parents? I still wonder if people are getting this. You've heard the jokes, right? Hey, 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 you, you better be nice to your kids because they're the ones picking out your nursing home. <laughs> Did you ever stop to think that maybe God doesn't want you to pick your parents out of nursing home? Maybe he wants you to honor them unto death and bring them into your home. My father paid out of his own pocket, built with his own hands, a huge, very nice addition to his house so that my grandmother, his mom, could spend the last seven years of her life and die with family. My in-laws have completely sacrificed every last bit of the retirement years. They bought this big, giant motorhome. They were going to tour the country, never got to do it. Because both sets of parents came down with Alzheimer's and they needed constant care but they brought him into the home. What comes around goes around. Listen, whether you realize it or not, your behavior today might be building your trough for tomorrow. I'm not saying parents are perfect because we are not, I'm not. But two wrongs don't make a right. 
God will take care of the situation. And again, I, I realize there's some circumstances where a nursing home might be necessary. But come on, let's be honest. People are way too quick to move to that solution. Why? Because listen, we are sacrificing our parents on the altar of personal convenience, just like the Pharisees. And that's why not honoring your parents is called a sin. And the penalty for sin is called death. I didn't say that. Jesus did. Let's go back to that context when he called him on the carpet. Right? Back to Matthew 15, now verse 4. For God commanded, honor your father and your mother, and he who curses or reviles or speaks evil or abuses or treats improperly his father or mother, what? Let him surely come to his end by death. Jesus. Why? Because that's the fifth holy commandment from God. It's not an option. It's a commandment from God, just like you better not murder, you better not worship other gods. And again, I, you put it this way, it's like, wow. I'm sorry, I think I'm starting to get the, what God's trying to teach me here. I'm doomed. I'm only halfway there out of 10. He could have given me 1,000. He should give me 10 things. I mean, he already knows. God knows everything. But I refuse to admit it, that all of sin and fall short of this glory of God, the wages of sin is death. I deserve to die and go to hell. I can't even keep these five. I don't, I don't worship only God. I have worshiped idols. I've actually used his name in a common way. I can't even give him one holy day. I don't treat my parents like a shit. I need a savior. Help! Who could save me? Jesus. Do you see what he's doing? The commandments are holy, right, and just, and we still need to abide. But it's not a means to get your way to heaven because you can't. They're to reveal our inability to get there, and we need a savior. They should drive us to Christ. Folks, if you're too busy to keep God's commands, you're too busy. Think of every one of these five commandments so far. What's some of the biggest rationale and excuses we come up with? I don't have time. I don't have time. I don't have time to worship God. Oh, we got time for those idols, though. Well, shh. I don't have time to keep his word in my mind, so I'm never tempted to use it in his name I ain't got time to give him a holy day. I ain't got time to take care of my parents. I ain't got time. If you're too busy to keep God's commands and worship him like he deserves, honor his holy name, show up for church services, take care of your parents, you're too busy. And it might be a sign that you're under Satan's yoke. At least once a year, I think it's been almost two years. I let it slide last year. I love sharing this video. Because every time, it only fits the context of what we just shared, but every time when we see it, I'll never do that again, Pastor Billy. So for those of you who recognize this and said that, how are you doing it since the last time you said that? Satan's yoke. Let's see what he's really doing, keeping us away from God.
you're too busy for God. You're too busy. In fact, it's a sign you're under Satan's yoke. He's got you. And if we're ever going to get our society back on track, then we, the church, need to get back on track. Amen? Why? Because this is what God is trying to teach us, Christian. We're the answer, Christ in us, to the ills of our society. No external law can change a man's internal heart. This is what the Ten Commandments are all about. And this is what our country and even the church seems to continue to forget. What we need is God. He is the answer to all our problems. And yet, we say the same thing the world does. I'm just too busy. I can't share it. I can't spend time. I can't develop. You're under Satan's yoke. And it's time to rip that yoke off today. It's time to get back to God's holy word, being his holy examples, sharing his holy gospel. Why? Because that's how revival takes place. And is that not what we need in our country? Let's get back on track as his church. Amen? Well, hi, this is Pastor Billy Crone of Sunrise Baptist Church and Get a Life Ministries, and I hope you enjoyed today's study. But in closing, before you go, let me ask you one final question. If you were to die today, are you sure that you go to heaven and not hell? You see, here's the problem. The Bible says that nobody automatically gets to go to heaven, and that's because God is holy and we are not. The Bible says that the wages of our sin or our unholiness, or the wrong things that we have done, have separated us from God. And the wages of our sin, or unholiness, uh, means that we deserve to die and receive God's judgment to go to hell and not heaven. In other words, we're disqualified for heaven. And that's because God being holy and us being not, the two cannot mix. So what are we going to do? Well, that's bad enough. The other problem is we don't even want to admit this dilemma even though God already knows it all. And so out of love, God gave us something called the Ten Commandments to show us that we're really disqualified for heaven. We're not holy, we're not perfect like him. Uh, let's take a, a look at just a few of those uh, here today. Uh, the Bible says, the Ten Commandments says, you shall not bear false witness. That means lying. How many of you have ever told a lie before? Well, those of you who didn't raise your hand, you just did. Okay, let's be honest, folks. Let's not tell another lie. We've all lied. Well, believe it or not, that disqualifies you for heaven. That's how holy God is. He is the truth. He does not lie. And so that makes us a liar. Another of the Ten Commandments says you shall not steal. Okay? How many have ever taken anything without permission? Well, all of our hands should have went up at that one. Uh, we've already said we're a bunch of liars. Okay, well, we've all done that. And it doesn't have to be a bank. Uh, it could be a pencil in the third grade. Uh, that means that we're a thief. Okay? The Bible says that God is so holy, even his name is holy. And that's why one of the Ten Commandments says, you shall not use the Lord's name in vain. Hey, folks, isn't it ironic how uh, now the blessed name of Jesus Christ, the Bible says there's no other name under heaven by which men might be saved, Jesus Christ, has now become a cuss word? Folks, the Bible says that's the sin of blasphemy. Okay, and folks, let's be honest. We've used God's name in vain uh, before. The Bible also says in the Ten Commandments, you shall not commit adultery. And Jesus takes the standard even higher. He says, listen, it's not just physical adultery. He says, surely I tell you that if you look at another person with lust in your eye, you've committed adultery in your heart. God looks at the heart. One more out of the Ten Commandments says, you shall not murder. And you might say, well, hey, I haven't done that one. 
Really? The Bible says that the sin of hatred is akin to the sin of murder. You, in other words, in your heart, wish they were dead. You pulled the trigger, if you will, in your own heart. And the Bible says God sees that and it's just as bad. He knows the mind. He knows the hearts, the thoughts, and the intents that we have. Folks, that's just five out of the Ten Commandments. How are you doing? Not very well. None of us can keep them. They're God's x-ray to show us that we're disqualified. And so when, not if, your time comes, because we're all marching towards the grave at different speeds, you're going to have to stand before God. And you're going to have to uh, say who you really are. He already knows. Hey, God, let me into heaven. Uh, I'm, I'm a liar. I'm a thief. I'm a blasphemer, adulterer, and a murderer. Folks, the Bible is clear. Such people as these will not inherit the kingdom of heaven. That's the problem. Here's the good news. God so loved the world that he sent his one and only begotten son, Jesus Christ, that whoever believes in him, what he did on the cross, on our behalf, that we will not perish, we will not go to hell, but he will give us the gift of eternal life. Jesus died on the cross to forgive us of all of our sins. It's something that we don't earn. We, we, we can't earn. It's a gift, the Bible calls it. And a gift cannot be earned. He was taking the death penalty in our place. That's what the cross was of the day. And that if we would just ask Jesus Christ to forgive us of our sins and believe that in our heart that God raised him from the grave, showing that his death is satisfactory to God to forgive us of all of our sins, no matter what we've done, the Bible says we shall be saved. Uh, the Apostle Paul says that if we confess with our mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in our heart that God raised him from the grave, we will be saved. Let me give you a common analogy of what God's doing and what he did for us with Jesus dying on the cross on our behalf. Uh, in life, we know that people uh, can be sentenced for a crime uh, to where they're actually on death row. Uh, the courtroom scene has completely finished. The gavel has already sounded. Uh, they are going to jail and they're just awaiting their time before they go to the death penalty. Uh, as they're sitting there in the jail cell, uh, it, it's a proven fact they did what they did. Everybody knows it. They're just waiting for that time for their uh, number to come up, so to speak, and walk down that hall and be executed. Uh, there's nothing they could do to reverse their crime. No amount of good works in that jail cell can reverse what they've done. It's too late. It's over. But believe it or not, there's one way that people even today can get off a death row. And that's if the one in authority, the governor, if he were to, out of mercy and kindness, nothing that the person did, because they don't earn it and they don't deserve it, and they can't earn it, if he would grant them what's called a pardon, out of the kindness of his heart, he has the authority to grant them a pardon and absolve them completely of their crimes uh, against the state. And did you know that there's actually been people that this has happened to, that the governor, out of mercy, has granted them a pardon as a gift, and they've gone down to the jail cell and handed that person, extended it through the bars, here, I'm granting you a pardon. If you would just receive it, you can go free right now. And did you know that there's actually been people who've said, no, I don't want your pardon. And so what happened is of their own doing, even though they had a way out, they still had to go to the death penalty. Folks, can I tell you something? That's what God did for us with Jesus dying on the cross. He sent his son to take the death penalty in our place. He, God, has the authority to grant us through Jesus a complete pardon. And every day that you're still alive, 
God is extending to you spiritually this pardon. But a pardon does you no good unless you reach out and receive it by faith. Won't you do that today? Won't you call upon the name of Jesus Christ? Ask Him to forgive you of all of your sins, to trust in His work on the cross, to pardon us from all of our crimes, our sins against God. God loves you. He wants a relationship with you. But there's only one way to heaven. It's Jesus. There's only one way to get off a death row. It's through the cross of Jesus Christ. Won't you do that right now? Well, this has been Pastor Billy Crone of Sunrise Baptist Church and, and Get a Life Ministries. And if there's anything that we can do for you, uh, please don't hesitate uh, to contact us. Uh, our number, our information will uh, come up here on the screen shortly. And uh, uh, if there's anything we could do for you, please don't hesitate to let us know. Uh, thank you for uh, joining us. And uh, remember, I hope to see you in heaven. God bless.